0: Please be seated. So we all have these, right? Um, And you know, these have so much great potential for staying connected and doing good. I can think of some times in, in my ministry in the last few weeks when I've gotten texts from some of you early in the morning uh, telling how you need help or you need some kind of connection um, or prayer. And I know that you all do that for one another. And we witness how they've been a force for uh, political good in other countries too. Witness the Arab Spring a few years ago. But we also have uh, kind of a interesting cultural thing now, because, um, you know, um, more times than not, I have a ready-built way to waste away a couple of hours of my day, and since this is Lent, I'll be the first to repent of this, and this is going to make me sound old, dear teenage and 20-something's friends, but... Every time, you ever notice how when you, every time you go out to a restaurant now, there'll be tables full of usually young people, but sometimes folks our age. And they're all sitting there together in these often very expensive restaurants looking at their phones. Are they texting each other? And, you know, I wonder sometimes, you know, if the ancient civilization someday studies us, They'll see artifacts of us, pictures of us carrying these things, and, and they'll puzzle at the little rectangular plastic and glass gods we carried around in our pockets because these gods had this strange ability to draw us into hours of quiet meditation every day at a moment's notice. <laughs> I read a great essay this week on The Guardian UK by this writer named Oliver Berkman, and he calls this phenomenon... Uh, the vortex. And he says that online communication has an ability to draw us into this. And in, in, in particular, the, the very recent, well, I won't say recent, the seemingly omnipresent, very polarized way that we debate and discuss things with one another, in particular how we've talked to one another over issues like race and gun violence, especially lately, get really polarized very quickly. And who's not familiar with this scene? Pick a break from your chores one day, think, oh, I'll check Facebook or my Twitter feed. Suddenly, as Berkman says, you find ourselves firing off sarcastic one-liners, vigorously favoriting posts from people intelligent enough to share our opinions, or else actively searching for updates from commentators whose views we knew, we know in advance will render us livid. And so, in a moment, inside this vortex, our communication with one another morphs into an endless cycle of conflict. Berkman describes it as vicious tirades, and even, and I'll repent of this too, personal feuds. And you know, we get our momentary endorphin fix from these. We feel important for a moment, more smart than someone else, when we worship these little Personal gods with this daily liturgy, and hey, I do this often, I do many of us do, but what I think that Berkman was beginning to recognize is that that we might want to consider some alternatives to this vortex, and in our world, if we especially if we want to be god 's people in the midst of what is indeed an often violent and scary time. We have to react with one another, at least, with something other than a knee-jerk reaction. And you know, if Simon Peter lived today, I think he would be Jesus' social media director. I'm sure he's the one most likely to start a Twitter feud or a Facebook flame war. With opponents of Jesus' mission. I can see him posting right now when those Pharisees post an anti Jesus post, he puts up fake news. <laughs> but you know, Peter is also the patron saint of the knee jerk reactor, isn't he? I think back over the gospel. Here we are with Moses and Elijah Jesus. Hey, let's stay here forever. And who can forget this one that we'll hear soon? Oh, Jesus, I won't betray you when, as the cock crows, he's the first one to go. Jesus who? And now, in Mark 8, Jesus delivers some news that Peter doesn't like. Jesus' rejection of the authorities of the day, and the religion of the day, and of the Roman Empire, is going to mean a violent end, he predicts. Peter doesn't like this too much. He even has the gall to rebuke Jesus. I can just hear him right now. I'm not so sure, Jesus. We might need to rethink our strategy. Walk in, get crucified. Mm, I don't think I like how that sounds. He hops into the vortex, doesn't he? Who can blame him? What Jesus is proposing is terrifying. It's unthinkable. And who can blame us for hopping in the vortex either, friends? What we have faced recently in places like Parkland, Florida, is terrifying and unthinkable. Yet Jesus points us towards an alternative to this vortex. Jesus gives us a way out of being knee-jerk apostles rather than just feeding The argument with Peter today, rather than giving Peter an alternative strategy or outlining the three ways he's wrong or looking up Peter's suggestion on Snopes.com, Jesus gives him a different way. He reminds him what Jesus' power looks like and how different Jesus' kind of power looks when it's wielded in this world. Jesus' way of walking and being in this world, of walking and being together, looks like much more than the kind of conflict that surrounds us. It is a different kind of power, he says. It's a kind of power that wins the argument by losing it. It's a kind of power that suffers rejection instead of lashing out in revenge. It's a kind of power that takes up the cross Instead of putting people on it and instead of running away from it. And as a church then, we get to do the hard work of figuring out how to wield that kind of power in the world that we live in. We get to figure out how to climb out of the vortex with that power. There's a young priest from Atlanta named Marcus Halley. And really strange, this morning at the 8 a.m., there was a deacon from the Diocese of Minnesota where he works who knows him, and I quoted him in a sermon. But he has a wonderful blog called The Word Made Fresh, and I would commend it to you. He's a really smart-thinking uh, young man, young priest. He calls it a, a powerless power that the world does not understand. And, you know, Peter doesn't understand it for sure. And we certainly don't understand it a lot of time. And, you know, this powerless power runs counter to everything that we know. Powerless power is not about who is right. It is about who is more loving. Father Marcus describes what this power might look like in action. He says, says, with this power... We could strive for greater and wider expressions of love rather than retreating behind increasingly high and armored walls of fear and violence. The kinds of conversations that we ought to be having, he says, are the are the ones that are in the ones that are even defensible in scripture, he says, are the kinds of conversation in which we all put our heads together around deciding that pouring more and more money into weapons and security and the machines of violence isn't actually making us any safer. Because it isn't because safety and security only happen. And we all know this when human beings have what they need to flourish. That is food and shelter and nurture and community. Kind of sounds like the church, doesn't it? So what can that power look like for all of us? Well, for one, it can look like. Looking beyond our opinions and listening deeply to one another. It can look like uh, looking behind the polarization and seeing that that very real fear that we all share for safety and for well-being and for freedom from terror and danger. All of us, every one of us are anxious. Perhaps a Lenten practice we can practice Is to work on shedding our addiction to this anxiety and fear, this addiction that we bask in within the vortex. And at least in how we treat one another, we we can move to a different way of being together as the church. We can focus first on these basics for one another. And for those in our greater community, the basics. Like food and shelter and nurture and community. Notice friends, the strange table that sits behind us today, this altar and this place that sits before you that you stare at for an hour plus every week is, is a immovable paradigm for us in the church. It's a pattern and it can help us on our way because every week we come to this rail And we receive the same body and the same blood of Christ. We are all, every single one of us, equally fed and nourished by the one God who readily and freely gives of herself to us. And all of us leave this place equally transformed and strengthened. We can then apply this powerless power that we get each week from This holy Eucharist to our lives together. And you know, maybe once we practice it with one another enough, we get really good at it within these walls. Once we receive this power here and practice it with one another. Then we can take it out to that polarized and vortex riddled world that we live in. One huge opportunity that we face to practice this lies before before us in the coming conversations that we're going to have about the direction and, and the future and the vision of this church. Within that, friends, we've all got passions. We've all got very strong opinions. Yes. But we can practice with those things this kind of generous, holy, deep listening with one another. We can practice the opposite of what Peter does today. Have our opinions, yes. But withhold our unloving judgment. Have our opinions, yes. But be curious about one another's anxieties and passions. Have our opinions, yes. But hear our differing stories and find our common narratives within them. And unfortunately... We live in a broken world, so we're going to have other occasions when we as the church are going to have to practice this with one another and with the world. So like Jesus tells Simon Peter today, let's put behind us the schemes and plans that come out of our anxieties. Let's move towards one another in love. Always seeing, even in those who disagree with us or dislike us or even hate us, a child of God. If we can do that here, my friends, as we already do so well and in so many ways. And keep doing it more and more and more and get really, really good at it. Then there's no telling the kinds of evangelists that we will be to this broken world. In this world of vortexes and polarization and fear, we must begin to be the difference, that difference for one another and for this often broken and beautiful world. Fear and death have no chance to win when we exert the powerless power of Jesus Christ and when we unashamedly live our call to share an audacious and fearless love with one another and with God's people.